This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. You can catch our show each weekend, including Thanksgiving weekend. We send it down the network lines on Saturday late afternoons. You can catch it in Cleveland on the Indians' flagship station, WTAM 1100. Also on many of our Indians radio network affiliate stations. Indians.com has it as well. Pick it up on iTunes, up on the podcast, Cleveland Indians podcast on iTunes, and then you can download and listen whenever you like. A part of our shows during the offseason, a look back at 2018 with our game of the week. And our first game of the week is the Indians' first win of this season. It came in early April in Seattle. The Indians had opened the season on March 31st this past season with a 2-1 to loss against the Mariners in a great pitching matchup. Corey Kluber matched up with Felix Hernandez on opening night and both lived up to past billings as uh, former Cy Young Award winners. And uh, the Mariners won a tight one, 2-1. to one. And then another great pitching matchup in game two of the season, our game of the week, James Paxton going for Seattle, Carlos Carrasco for the Tribe. And the Indians would get to Paxton early in this one. Top half of the first inning, Jason Kipnis doubled, then walks to Edwin Encarnacion, and Rajay Davis loaded the bases for new Indians first baseman, Yonder Alonzo. Bases loaded, two down, no score, inning number one. The outfielder shallow but bunched in the gaps. The pitch. A swing and a long drive to deep right. Away, back and gone. A grand slam to right. Yonder Alonzo in his fifth at bat for the Cleveland Indians makes it 4 nothing, And Paxton not able to get off the hook and yonder Alonzo who ended last season with Seattle has given the Indians a four run blast in inning number one in the third inning the tribe looked for more with Jose Ramirez at the plate he was trying to crush his first home run of the season and as you know by season's end it was a big year in the home run department for Ramirez but not on this day thanks to a Seattle legend playing left field Paxton into the delivery and the pitch. A swing and another high drive, deep left field. It's got a chance and it is at the wall. Suzuki leaps in. He made the catch. He took a home run away from Jose Ramirez. 44 years old playing like he's 24. A home Suzuki. Ramirez still can't believe it. What a play. The Mariners battled back with a run in the second, two more in the third, and just like that, the Indians lead 
was now just one run at 4-3. to three. But in the top half of the fourth inning, Jan Gomes gave the Indians some breathing room. Here's the pitch. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball driven to dead center. This is hit well. Gordon's back. Home run, Jan Gomes. Just beyond the outstretched glove of Gordon, who tried to climb the wall, but he couldn't bring that one back. Gomes, with his first home run of the season, makes it 6-3 to three Tribe. Once again, though, Seattle got right back into it. Nelson Cruz with a two-run home run in the bottom half of the sixth inning made it a one-run game again, 6-5 to five Tribe. In the bottom half of the seventh inning, Andrew Miller came on and held the lead. The Indians with a one-run lead in the seventh, two out, two on the pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out with a wicked slider. Miller gets out of it, gets Segura to end the inning, and the Indians stay on top, 6-5, to five, going to the eighth in Seattle. Two and two the count, two outs, two on, Tribe up one in the eighth. Where does Miller go with now? Does he go back foot slider down and in? The pitch, he does, and he got him. He went back door slider, back foot slider. And Miller works out of it with his third strikeout. And what a job by Miller after that double fell that should have been caught to start the inning. Then in the ninth, it was Cody Allen to close things out. Allen, the deep breath, the wind and pitch. A swing and a soft fly ball to left. This will do it. Rajay Davis calling. He's there. He makes the catch. Ball game. So win number one in 2018 is in the books as the Indians knock off the Seattle Mariners today by a final score of 6-5. to five. And the Indians' bullpen dominant today as it's been for much of the last five years. They bailed out Carrasco, they being McAllister, Miller, and Allen. And a very routine 1-2-3 ninth inning for Cody Allen, who gets his first save of the campaign. Now the Indians win it 6-5, to five, and after the game, Allen talked about locking up his first save of the season with high expectations inside that Tribe clubhouse. Every year, I think most of the guys in that clubhouse like enjoy a challenge, and, and going into a season trying to be the last team standing and win the last game of the year, that is a, is a mountain of a task, and, and we're excited for it. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are fighting for that same goal, so we're just going to try and have to be a little bit better uh, than all 29 other teams in nearly every facet of the game. But the only thing we can do is just prepare to the best of our ability and once games start, just go compete. And for the most part, the, the key group of players has stayed together, together for a while now. What does that mean to you to, to do it with that same group year after year for, in this game, a pretty extended period of time? It would mean a lot. Um, you know, the, the group that's in there now, there's a lot of guys in there that we've all kind of cut our teeth together in the big leagues, like learned how to be a big leaguer, um, developed as players, as people, as teammates, uh, you know, players on your team, you see their kids, you know, grow up, you know, so there's a, there's a definite bond there and a relationship with a lot of those teammates that you want it for them more than you want it for yourself. So, you know, but there's also expectations and accountability that are shared, which, which helps that relationship grow and that, that kind of bond as teammates grow because you expect a lot of not only yourself, but of your teammates, and that feeling is mutual. And the Grand Slam kid, Yonder Alonso, 
Well, it was his second game as a Cleveland Indian, and he talked about fitting in with his new team. They're great. I mean, uh, you know, obviously being on a new team, is, it can be a little bit challenging. Uh, every day is a new day. But, um, you know, I've been around. I've been around a, a few spring training uh, schedules and things like that. But um, getting acclimated just fine. Uh, the guys are, are definitely welcoming me with open arms. So just excited and, you know, ready to get going. And you mentioned you've been with a couple of different teams. Does it make it any easier because you've had experience before? I think so, and, and I think it makes it a lot easier, too, when the guys, uh, they've all been together for such a long time. So, um, you know, I've been in some teams where kind of they were restructuring their team, so everybody was kind of new. Um, but it's nice to just have that feel where you just step in and everybody knows where they're going, everybody knows each other. So, you know, I'm just kind of a new, new guy, just getting work done and making sure uh, I continue to progress as a player and as a person. Along those lines, uh, real great progress year a year ago. What, what are you trying to build off from last year that went really well that you think you can take even? I'm trying further? to build off of everything, every part of my game, uh, my defense, my base running, and obviously my hitting. And I think uh, I learned a whole lot last year, and and you know now I can just take it in with my work in the off season and, and continue to build off uh, you know a good year. Yonder Alonso joining us. Uh, you mentioned work, and I'm guessing your work ethic goes directly back to your family. Uh, there was an article in the Players' Tribune about uh, your escape from Cuba with your family and, and what they went through when they first came to this country. Uh, explain what drives you every day and what's driven you to become a Major League Baseball player based on those early times in the state. Well, I think my family. I think my parents were a big indicator of how I was going to be raised and how I was going to be when I, when I got older, obviously. But um, since day one, my parents obviously... Uh, they, they mentioned everyday education um, and hard work. And, uh, you know, without those two things, you can't really achieve anything you want in this country. So I, I think for me, uh, my dad was always uh, big on just hard work, um, just watching him. He was uh, not much of a talker uh, when it came to, to the work ethic, but he, he led by example. And he was uh, always working many, many days and nights. And, you know, my mom was right there as well. Um, and for me, it was it came second nature just to continue to do those things and, and work just like my dad and mom. And you're playing at the University of Miami, your, your hometown or adopted hometown right. college mm -hmm. or university. And, and But it didn't sound like you were the typical Division One player in terms of the things that you did away from the field because your family yeah. was there. Explain what you did aside yeah, from baseball. Yeah, I mean, it was home, um, so that was nice. Uh, you know, it was very uh, nice. You know, a lot of kids don't get to go to their, their dream college uh, to obviously play baseball at a Division One school, so I was able to obtain that and, and go there, but then obviously there was a lot of work to be done when you got home. You know, when I got home, it was uh, I was just another person, another, uh, her, you know, my parents' uh, son just working and making sure that, I could provide a little bit of what I could uh, to, to the family. So I did that. I mean, I would go to school like any regular student and practice and study hall and then get to work. So um, I didn't really think about it as, as, as a lot. It was just part of uh, my life at the moment, and I just uh, had, to, had to get to it, you know, just work and, and do the things that I had to do for my family. Because of that background, uh, the day you get the call for the major leagues, um, what did that mean to you? What was it like? Oh man, it was. Uh, I was in Toledo. Um, I was playing in AAA, um, and they took me out in the fourth inning. And I was, I was a little bit bothered. I was, what's going on here? And they brought me in and they told me I was going to the big leagues. And uh, the game hadn't even finished yet. And I went straight to my locker and, and was able to call my parents, uh, my mom and dad. They were following the game on, on the computer and they, they saw that 
I was taken out, so they were, you know, they were kind of nervous, like, is everything okay? Are you hurt? What happened? And then I, you know, I got to tell them that I was going up to the Bibbies, and, you know, my parents just started crying, and, and they were very, very happy and uh, emotional, and um, Cincinnati did a great job by flying them over uh, to Cincinnati, and they were able to see my first game. So you fast forward to, to this off season, mm -hmm. and, and you sign as a free agent. And I, I know for right. a lot of players, it's um, it's been kind of an odd off season along those lines. But uh, you do some research, and, and I know you knew a lot about the Indians prior to signing, and it was a big factor. Some of the things that you knew, uh, what drove you to to become a Cleveland Indian, and then make this the place where you wanted to play? Winning environment, uh, no question about it. I think uh, the winning environment these guys have built throughout the years has been uh, a special one and I wanted to be a part of that. Um, I had some other offers, but for me it came down to, to the winning aspect and, and the, the, close, the close friendships that these guys have here. And, uh, you know, it's like they're all on a mission. They all know what they're doing. They all get to work. And, uh, you know, the staff is incredible. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to it. The next day, Tom Hamilton visited with Terry Francona and they talked about the Indians securing that first win of 2018. Was that a must-win yesterday, Tito? <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what, though. It's I've tried to explain it to myself, but you know, you lose on opening day, and then you have a day off, so you have what forty-something hours to ruminate over it. And it's amazing how grumpy you can get. <laughs> and and you know, just for so many reasons, okay, you get you want to get the first out of the way, not necessarily the first loss, but you know, get guys in, get a win. So you can kind of let guys relax and 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 play the game. It's amazing after all these years how how nervous I still felt and you know a little bit of anxiety. And it it, it there's got to be a better explanation <laughs> because you make yourself crazy. But but everybody feels the same way. Boy, and it, it had to be big too for Yonder Alonso for a number of reasons. One. That guy you guys faced is really good in James Paxton, especially a lefty-lefty matchup. You're new to a ball club. It, it, it's always good to get off to that kind of a start. I don't know, even though he's been around, doesn't it mean a little more? I agree. Even the veteran guys, when you come to a new place, there's that human nature party where you you know, you know push a little because you want to get off to a good start. I thought leading up to it, I thought Raj had a great at-bat. He really worked him. He took some good swings. And... How often do you see it where a guy throws that many pitches and then the next guy gets rewarded for it? So there it is, the first edition of our Game of the Week here during this offseason. The Indians 6-5 to five winners, their first win of 2018 back on April the 2nd. Stay tuned, we have more to come as Tribe Talk continues after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Rosenhouse back with you at Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And we switch gears now and we talk youth baseball. And the head of youth baseball for the Cleveland Indians is a former player 
in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization, among others, Matt Cata, a local guy, St. Ignatius, Mentor, and uh, grew up in Northeast Ohio is what we're trying to say, and, and that's a great thing. And uh, Matt, I know you're so passionate about trying to teach the game at the youngest levels, and uh, this has to be exciting to, to come to work every day and figure out the best way to make that happen. Well, I, I mean, no doubt. I tell people, uh, you know, I, I previously had the best job in the world where I was throwing on a uniform and, and getting to play a game uh, for a living, and I feel like now uh, I have the second best job in the world and still getting to put on a uniform, but uh, coming back home to, to where I grew up and my big league dreams started out in uh, Little League Fields in Menor and, and being able to uh, you know, give back and, and grow the love of, uh, you know, love of the game of baseball that's given, you know, me so much. And certainly uh, youth baseball and, and really all of youth sports has probably changed so much in, in the last 25 to 30 years uh, from what it was then to, to what it is now. What do you try and do? How young do you try and go in terms of setting a good foundation for kids to have fun and really enjoy the game of baseball? Yeah, I mean, you hit on it. Certainly the landscape. I mean, you probably had the stories growing up, backyard, baseball, pickup, sandlot. You drive around, and there's not a whole lot of that going on anymore. And so, you know, for us, it's you've been around the game. Baseball's a tough game. There's a lot of failure. And so I feel like at that introduction to the game, whether it's t-ball or coach pitch, man, you, you only get one chance to flip that switch on, especially with everything else that, is available for for these kids in in different sports and you know video games and whatnot and so um, you know we're uh, you know when you think about our programming that's really focused towards you know five to to twelve year olds right whether they're being introduced to the game um, with some of our programs that you know we partner with local rec leagues around town called Rally Cap which essentially is a tweak on the game format. Um, replacing t-ball and, and coach pitch with a, with a little different format that's all geared towards development and getting kids more touches, keeping them engaged more. And then, you know, our main programs with the camps that we do around town, essentially we kind of hit a different, uh, do a little smiley face around greater Cleveland and, you know, five-day camps to where, you know, we're giving them, a, you know, a deep dive and, in, in, you know, developing, you know, their all-around, you know, abilities around the game. You have kids, and, and as they grow up, obviously it, you must have an, uh, an idea of how you'd like them to, to play if they enjoy it or, or what you can do to help them enjoy the game that, that's meant so much to you. And you mentioned that rally cap program. Uh, sometimes baseball can be slow, and, yeah. and kids get distracted, especially at, at that age. So, so what do you try and do to, to kind of enhance it and, and make it a little more speedy to, to where they might pay attention a little bit more and, and really have a chance to enjoy it? Yeah, so when you look at, um, and I'm sure everyone listening, you know, the experience of, of you get 12 kids on a team and you throw them all on the field, and I think uh, at first it's cute uh, and kids are distracted, picking daisies. I think, you know, when when you look at Rally Cap, there's a lot of good as we get into talking about it. There's a lot of good that comes out of it, but I think one of the bad things is, is um, you know, from the recreation maintenance standpoint, they don't have to do any weed picking because we're kind of, or they do have to do it because we're taking out all the, you know, all the players picking those weeds in the outfield. But essentially it's, um, you know, you've seen soccer, you've seen hockey uh, really geared towards long-term athletic development, which, which essentially is, um, you know, shrinking the field, uh, shrinking the number of players that ultimately increases the engagement, gets them involved more, moving more. Um, with baseball, it's swinging the bat more, throwing, catching, fielding, right, more reps around the game. And so 
rally cap program is is similar to you know how soccer is you know four v four shrink the field a little bit same thing with with hockey and cross ice and all that um, so we basically teams are smaller six to eight some leagues nine and then you know the game format is three teams show up to play a game and and so you have a you do have a game right six v six seven v seven in the infield. I think we know T-ball, coach pitch. Every now and then you'll get a kid who gets a hold of one and it rolls into the outfield. But um, that third team, they're actually in the outfield. Um, you know, we basically, the program, we train the coaches. We give them all the materials. And so in the outfield, you know, there's different drills set up, different stations that, you know, the coaches have the kids uh, going through. And then basically one team will hit and you kind of have this rotation of outfield goes to defense, defense goes to hit, hit goes to the outfield. So, again, you're – you're getting three rotations of that. The kids are, are engaged. They're they're learning in the outfield, getting to use what they just worked on drill-wise in the in the game, uh, you know, scenario. And so, you know, this is our third year running. We've got some great feedback from you know the leagues. We're in Bay, uh, Bay Men's Club, Avon Lake, uh, Lynnhurst Dads Club, and, and Brexville. And so, it's definitely a program as we grow that we're looking to you know grow throughout uh, you know Greater Cleveland. Matt Cato joining us. He heads up the Indians Youth Baseball Department. Uh, you reference coaches and, and how important it is for them to have that packet to, to get them pointed in the right direction. I know you'll, you'll have a, a coaches clinic coming up in January, and I guess that's the, the flip side. As important as it is to make it fun for the kids, you've got to have good coaches in there who, who have that right frame of mind for working with kids. And, and what are you trying to do through a coaches clinic in January and, and maybe throughout the year as well to to educate and, and help them along on the right path. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you think about player development, and, and again, we're talking grassroots, so we're not crazy, but ultimately it, it is about player development and their experience. But, you know, the best player development for me is, you know, is coach development. I think when you look at the landscape and part of the reason why there is a decline in, in participation and, and kids aren't having as best experiences as they can have, it's, you know, it's who are the influencers and who are the coaches. And so there is – you know, a lack of, uh, of real quality, you know, quality coaching. And so that's something that, you know, we're really uh, invested in as far as putting together, you know, resources and opportunities for coaches to learn. Because ultimately, whether or not it's, you know, rally cap or even in just rec leagues, they're, you know, big-hearted volunteer dads who aren't getting paid. And so, uh, you know, between our network with, um, you know, here internally, I mean, that's a good – you know, the best part about what I get to do, I get to spend time in spring training and, and hang around, you know, player development. And I think we know, you know, player development, when you look around the league, we do it, uh, you know, we're, we're tops. And so to be able to kind of take some of that and, and incorporate it, you know, with our philosophy and curriculum, um, you know, providing those resources for coaches to be able to then, you know, implement it with the players. And, and, and again, it's it's maximizing any potential and then ultimately – you know, we know the chances of becoming a Major League Baseball player um, are very slim. I'm not here to say I'm crushing any dreams because I was that kid who always raised my hand and said, I want to be a Major League Baseball player, and I was fortunate, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, reach and accomplish that goal. Uh, but I think ultimately it's, you know, what do you want them to gain from this experience? And, and you know, in addition, you know, we want to grow the game and, and you know, grow the fan uh, and, and have them grow up, uh, you know, diehard Indians and, and kind of get that, circle of life going where you know they get older they're introducing the game to their kids and uh you know and so on and so uh, you know coaches are definitely you know that avenue that you know as much as we're focused on the players with some of our 
uh, you know, some of our programs and initiatives, you know, offering coaches an opportunity to come learn from, um, you know, learn from uh, the coaching clinic that you suggested, you know, that you referenced in January. It's going to be, you know, four of our, you know, player development staff is going to be all hitting, um, you know, they're going to get a, you know, a ton of knowledge coming out of that that they can, you know, implement right away with their players. Stay with us. We'll take a timeout, and then we'll come back with more. Uh, Matt talked about achieving a major league dream, and, and sometimes there's challenges when you grow up in northeast Ohio. We'll talk about that, how he did it, and uh, his path back to the Indians, too. It's an interesting story. And that continues as Tribe Talk continues after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. We've been joined by Matt Cata, who heads up the Indians Youth Baseball Department. And Matt, before we, we go further and talk about your career a little bit, uh, you had a lot of information in our last segment. Uh, if fans want to go and, and check that out, maybe they have a youngster interested in baseball, uh, where do they go in terms of the website? Yeah, so Indians.com slash youth baseball is, is where we'll have all of our uh, all of our information. We'll probably have our our camp schedule, uh, you know, our, our goal is before uh, before Christmas and the holidays, so you can kind of maybe have Santa, uh, you know, put a camp or, or something underneath the uh, underneath the tree. But that's uh, definitely the site where you can, uh, you know, get all the information on on the programs that we offer. And uh, we talked about it earlier. Matt uh, played in the major leagues with the Diamondbacks, among others. And you do it uh, growing up in Mentor. You go to St. Ignatius. Uh, Northeast Ohio, it, it, there's challenges. Obviously, the, the winter season can really be a, a tough time if you enjoy baseball, trying to, to get work in if that's what you want to do. Uh, how were you able to overcome that as a kid growing up, uh, even before high school, to, to try and keep that dream alive? Yeah, I mean, definitely had its challenges. But I think, you know, when I get asked this question, and I do reflect and look back, I was so fortunate, again, grew up in Mentor, when you look at, my neighborhood, we were the house that was kind of right off the cul-de-sac. Um, you know, we had a, a, a bigger backyard. And then the neighborhood, I mean, there were, you know, 12 to 15 kids uh, in the neighborhood all within a couple, you know, years age-wise of each other. And, and it didn't matter, you know, what season, what time of the year is, whatever, you know, season sport that was, we were out playing. And, and so when it was spring, summer, baseball was that sport. And um, I played all sports, you know, played basketball in, uh, you know, in, in high school um, at St. Ignatius and then just in general. I mean, we were a, a sporty family. Um, How important was it to, to maybe mix it up? Because we've talked so much about year-round baseball. There's facilities now. You can train indoors. But uh, playing the multiple sports, uh, for a while there it seemed like, no, 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 you've got to focus on, on that particular sport at a very young age. But uh, do you see that maybe turning a little bit back the other way where it's okay to, to play the different sports uh, for a lot of different reasons? I mean, I think so. Whether it's, uh, you know, on social media is obviously huge where it's Urban Meyer in Ohio State or there's different things out there that says, oh, of, of his 80 guys on roster, 75 were multi-sport guys. It's definitely a conversation that um, is getting a lot of play right now and, and either it's athletes, or coaches referencing that's what they're looking for or that's what's helped them. It's certainly 
certainly helped me. Now, obviously, if you're in Texas and California and Florida, you can play baseball in one sport all year round. Um, I think, again, with research and, and, and science coming out, I mean, injuries, they're all pointing towards the benefits of, of playing multi-sport. So, for, again, for me, I think that was definitely something that, that helped. And, and I think just getting out and playing, I think, you know, that's definitely the – the challenge now when you look at the landscape of youth sports where everything from you know the age of three and four is is an organized type of experience and and kids aren't in the backyard you know imitating Julio Franco's swing or um, you know pitching like uh, you know Bob Feller in the backyard that's those are the things that I did and I think um, you know you talk to a lot of guys and that that you know, that was part of their development. I know that was a huge part of just my growing my love for the game. And then, you know, we said it before. I mean, if you want to get better, you got to play and you got to get those reps. And if you're only working when you have the one practice a week or the one game, you know, it's going to it's gonna be hard to develop. So I was always outside, always throwing a ball against the wall and, and you know, imitating whoever. And, um, and then it was one of those things where baseball just became the love, uh, you know, and, and as you continue to just improve and, um, and want to get better and, and put in the time, um, you know, I was able to get, you know, opportunities, uh, you know, to continue, you know, to continue the career. A lot of graduates from St. Ignatius have gone on to play in pro sports, uh, probably more notably in football because of, of where we are, uh, but baseball is a pretty good program, too, and obviously it was good for Matt Cata to, to make that next step. What was uh, exceptional about Ignatius for you that allowed you to, to go on and play college baseball at a major college program in Vanderbilt? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, with just Ignatius being, um, you know, the caliber of school it is, obviously you're, you're going around town playing, uh, you know, some of the better competition, and so... Uh, you know, I was fortunate to make, uh, you know, make varsity as a freshman uh, and spend four years playing varsity baseball and then playing against, you know, some of the better players uh, in the state of Ohio. And so uh, that that definitely helps, you know, drive you and, and as you're competing and getting better. Um, and then I tell you what, I mean, I was I had some, uh, you know, really good coaches who were able to continue to, um, you know, just guide and, and provide some, um, you know, provide some direction, uh, you know, to me as, as I was continuing, you know, my dream of, uh, of wanting to be a, you know, major league baseball player. So you do play in the major leagues, and uh, obviously anybody who just gets there, regardless of the amount of time, that's a, a tremendous accomplishment. Your career ends, and you come back to Northeast Ohio, and you're working for the Indians. How did this position come about, and, and why has it been something that you've been so passionate about to to kind of continue that legacy here in, in Northeast Ohio. Yeah, so, I mean, a weird, random, like, LinkedIn connection with Mark Shapiro, our, our old president, um, you know, transitioning from playing to, um, you know, the next chapter, the, the business side of, uh, of things. It was right when social media was coming out, so everyone's saying, you got to get on Twitter, you got to get on Facebook, and then this LinkedIn, you know, professionals, you got to get on it, so I'm on it. And one morning, I'm a morning guy, I figured out quick after I was done playing that, you know, the nine to five job, I'm thinking, oh, after I get home, I can, you know, that's when I'll work out and get all that in. And I found out right away with kids, that might have been the plan, but it never, uh, it never uh, worked out that way. So, you know, I was a morning guy anyway, but, I'm, you know, now I'm a real morning guy, you know, four or 5 a.m. And, 
And so I was up just having coffee. I'm messing around this LinkedIn. And so I, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm connecting, you know, with Mark Shapiro. I, I sent him a note and, uh, and literally I get a reply no less than five minutes later. So that means basically hour difference. It's 4.15 Texas time, so it's 5.15 here. As I got to know Mark, he's a morning guy too, and he's had his routine. And so, you know, he just sent me a note saying, hey, uh, you know, I'll let Kevin know. And and then uh, and just kind of threw it out there, a feeler of, hey, um, would love to hear about kind of what you're doing now. And next thing you know, we had a couple conversations, uh, you know, around youth baseball. Mark had Caden, his son, who was, you know, right in the middle of it, and he was seeing some of the challenges. And so – um, you know, the timing was perfect, and for me, it, it was a no-brainer. Um, you know, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, a dream job would have been to eventually play with the Indians and put on that uniform, but to come back home, and again, I had some unbelievable experiences, unbelievable coaches, and to come back home and be able to kind of give back, and, and really, it's surreal every, you know, it'll be five years now, um, going back to Mentor and doing you know, a camp for five days in the same fields that I grew up playing Little League, um, I mean, I get chills talking about it now. Um, but, again, when you look at our, our vision and goal with everything we do, um, you know, baseball is just a, a tool to be able to develop, you know, better people and, and better humans. And, um, you know, that's certainly when you look at our goal and vision, what, you know, what we want to do with youth baseball. Oh, Matt, I know the Indians are glad to have you. Thanks so much for, for sharing for a little while on today's absolutely. show. Yeah, absolutely. Go Tribe. That's Matt Cada. Heads up the Indians Youth Baseball Department. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks so much to Brian Matze, as always, for helping to put together our show back at our network studios. Anthony Alford as well. Until next week, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.